0: The Deep Dive Podcast with Blake and Emily.
1: In this podcast, we dive in and explore the issues faced by those who identify as LGBTQ+, and the history behind social acceptance of the rainbow community within Aotearoa New Zealand. This is brought to you by the students of the New Zealand Broadcasting School at Ara Institute of Canterbury.
0: Welcome to the Deep Dive Podcast. Thank you heaps for joining. So Blake, what have we got on today's episode?
1: In today's episode, we're looking into the major milestones for the rainbow community in New Zealand's history and take a look behind the Marriage Amendment Act of 2013 when special guest Labor MP Louisa Wall joins us for an exclusive interview. We will then reflect on marriage equality eight years on, and whether our society has changed its views on the topic since 2013.
0: So buckle up and join us as we begin our first episode of The Deep Dive. With this week's topic being rainbow history within Aotearoa New Zealand, we thought it would be a good idea to give you a wee spin on the history behind it all. So, in July of 1986, the Homosexual Law Reform Act was passed, and for the first time in New Zealand legal history, homosexual men could enter into sexual relationships without fear
1: of prosecution. Moving on to 1989, Rainbow Youth was formed at a gay and lesbian conference and was set up mainly to provide a safe place where LGBTQ youth could come together safely. And then in
0: 1991, New Zealand's most prominent gay pride event, the Hero Parade, was founded in Auckland.
1: Following to 1993, where it wasn't until the Human Rights Act was passed that it became illegal in New Zealand to discriminate on the grounds of sexual orientation.
0: Another milestone was the election of the world's first out transgender MP. Georgina Beyer, was elected in New Zealand Parliament in 1999 and then left in 2007. she had previously made history as the world's first out transgender mayor of the small town of Carterton.
1: In 2005, civil unions came into effect which gave both heterosexual and homosexual couples the ability to register their relationship giving them the same legal rights and obligations as being in a marriage.
0: And of course, a huge milestone was the Marriage Amendment Bill that came into legislation on the 19th of August 2013. New Zealand became the first country in Oceania, the fourth in the Southern Hemisphere, and the 15th in the world to allow same-sex couples to marry.
1: So a lot of progress has happened over the past few decades, with the discussion of LGBTQ plus rights continuing to be as prominent as ever within our society. So coming up next... Labor MP Louisa Wall joins us to discuss her role in the Historic Marriage Amendment Bill of 2013. Joining us now is Labor MP Louisa Wall. Thank you so much for joining us for an interview, Louisa. To start, would you be willing to share a bit about your background with our listeners?
2: Well, tēnāku, Blake, and thank you and your colleague Emily, I believe, who are conducting this podcast. Um, I'm Louisa Wall, and I'm very proud um, takatākui or a cis woman who um, is also lesbian. So very proud of my whakapapa. So I'm mixed, uh, Indigenous, and obviously um, have blood from Ireland, Scotland, um, and I'm sure a bit of English in there, but very much a a New Zealander, proud of who I am, Um, my um, communities that um, I actually uh, represent in the New Zealand Parliament.
1: Right, I see. And what, and what was your journey with coming to terms with your sexuality?
2: Yeah, I think like many of us, when we reflect back, I knew I was gay. I knew I was takatapu from a young age. Um, I grew up in a in a context where we had out members of the rainbow community um, on the marae, for example. I had aunties who were lesbian So I guess from my perspective, it was, you know, around me, it was part of my life.
1: So going back to May 2012, you proposed the um, Marriage Amendment Bill in Parliament, which gave the definition of marriage as the union of two people, regardless of their sex, sexual orientation or gender identity. What was the driving reason behind you putting that bill forward?
2: Um, Very good question. Um, So in the previous year, uh, was the election. So in, in uh, 2011, I'd, I was given the role of chairing Labour's Rainbow Caucus, and we went into that election with a pledge to of relationship equality. And because I was chairing the Rainbow Caucus, I guess I put my hand up and said I would lead that. Obviously, putting your hand up for me meant I needed to draft a bill. And so I was quite fortunate that I'd already been thinking about drafting a bill and how we would frame that bill. And it seemed the easiest thing to do was just to add a definition of who could get married, which is why we preserved, I guess, the contract between two people, but said they should be any two people, Um, which also meant for me we were going to be able to help three couples who were currently married, but one of them had changed their sex that actually had full gender affirmation surgery. But we at that time had um really clear law that said if that individual had changed their sex on their birth certificate, it would have nullified their marriage. And I didn't want that to happen. Yeah. And so and they hadn't changed their birth certificates because they wanted to stay married to, you know, their partner, their spouse. And so that's why for me it was the proposition was broader than same-sex marriage and why I think marriage equality is the most appropriate description of what we did because we said it's any two people. We shouldn't, why should gender matter? Why should how they identify matter? As long as they met the criteria, then any two human beings, any two citizens as consenting adults should have been able to and the state should have been Um, willing to provide them with a marriage certificate. And from my perspective, that was how simple the proposition was.
1: Yeah. And what was the public response that you received during that time like?
2: Well, the public response was varied. Um, Obviously, um, there were some people trying to build their political careers off the opposition to marriage equality. Um, so, Colin Craig kind of emerged as did the Conservative Party. Um, Bob Crosbury kind of put his hand up uh, as the leader of Family First and decided he should protect somebody's interests. I mean, behind the scenes, I was getting a lot of correspondence, and the majority of it was not nice, to be quite frank. Um, there was a lot of, you know, you're destroying our country. Um, you're the devil. You're going to burn in hell. A lot of that type of talk, but also there were a lot there was a lot of support, and and obviously the community developed um, you know campaigns for marriage equality. So that was grassroots led, and I think for me that was the most reassuring. Um, at the time, all the universities were surveyed, and over ninety five percent from New Zealand university students in support of the bill. Yeah, And I think it really did play out for the first time, the differences between um, older New Zealanders, so those over 65, and then those under 30.
1: Yeah, that generational and, difference.
2: Yeah, huge generational difference, which was understandable. Because, you know, we didn't decriminalise homosexuality until 1986. So many of the people in their 60s and 70s had grown up where being a homosexual was a criminal offence, and so their thoughts about homosexuality obviously were ingrained in, in their earlier years.
1: And do you think eight years on from the Marriage Equality Bill, New Zealanders are generally more accepting of the LGBTQI community?
2: Yeah, no, I do. As I said, I think there is general acceptance that um, if you're plus, you have a right to exist. I think that um, having laws that specifically have to you know discriminated against us being highlighted and parliament's ability to address that discrimination is becoming as you've said more and more acceptable and people have become more and more accepting we have to use our voices wherever we can and wherever we can and I believe that I have a responsibility as a a apui, um Rainbow Member of Parliament to, to advocate um, from a first principles kind of perspective our rights to exist as human beings and our rights, obviously, as equal citizens in our countries. So I continue to advocate that position.
1: And so for our last question, if we have a listener right now who is struggling with their sexual orientation or identity, what would you say to them?
2: Um, I would say that don't be scared. I I've never I, I I'm proud of who I am is probably a better way to frame it. You know, and, and I think that it's a gift and it's a gift that I that I embrace and I'm I'm really proud of um um uh, being Takatapui and, and being able to contribute um in the work that I do, being able to contribute to change the laws to make it better for our community, and um, yeah, it's beautiful fun, I suppose. It's not something to be afraid of.
0: It's been eight years since the Marriage Amendment Bill passed through government, and for many at the time, the topic of marriage equality was divisive. In the years since, many people who have once opposed the bill have since changed their minds, including former National MP, Nick Smith. Blake Benny checks out how the bill has potentially changed the minds and hearts of many New Zealanders. Members, the eyes are 77, the nose are 44.
1: The day was April 17th, 2013, and for many, it was one of the defining moments of a generation. Marriage equality, at long last in Aotearoa, New Zealand. For those like MP of Wool, their dedication to seeing the bill passed had finally paid off.
2: Nothing can counteract the very real negative consequences of not passing this bill, but nothing could make me more proud to be a New Zealander than passing this bill. It's an honour to represent your country and the people of New Zealand. I thank my colleagues for simply doing what is fair, just and right.
1: With the legislation of same-sex marriage, it paved the way for someone like Hannah to be able to marry her long-term girlfriend Lauren in 2016.
2: For me, it felt like we were given the same status as, you know, a, a chap and a lady getting married. We, we were recognised in the same vein in the law, which to me was preferable than um, the civil union, which is what had done beforehand. It, it just felt like, I guess, a bit of a win that we were treated on the same level as other couples were.
1: Today, the once heavily divisive bill seems to have grown in social acceptance, with someone who formally opposed the bill, former MP Nick Smith, saying it's one of their biggest regrets. In 2013, I voted against gay marriage. Their error is all the more personal, with my 20-year-old son being gay. I want to put on record today my apology to New Zealand's LGBT plus community. It made headlines around the world, and for both him and his son Logan... It was about trying to make amends for past decisions. I think we kind of came to the agreement that I think we were both, you know, disappointed that his time in politics had been, that his impact in terms of the LGBT plus community had been voting against those bills. While Nick had changed his view before Loden came out, Nick's standing up and sharing how the bill had made Loden's life easier was a proud moment. Um, it was a pretty special moment, I think for me it was just the whole, um, like it wasn't just an accepting in private thing, it was, act- it was like a whole, you know, um, accepting and being proud of it in public and being proud enough to say, you know, um, I got this wrong in the past and I really regret this. So. And while he believes the best course of action would have been supporting the bill originally, he's pleased Nick was able to realise his error, something Louisa agrees with.
2: I I still celebrate the Smiths of this world and the fact that in his lifetime he's been able to change and that when he left Parliament after being there for, you know, over 25 years that he chose to say one of the things that he regrets is not voting for marriage
1: equality. You know, I I
2: consider that a win.
1: Something Hannah also echoes.
2: I guess people come at issues or challenges like this with their own background and their own history and then, Everybody has a chance to, you know, reflect on where they've come from and where they're going and change their opinions. So I, I guess it's nice to, to know that he's, he's changed his mind.
1: Loden believes his father and his peers simply lacked an understanding of the rainbow community and agrees in its personal change in view is a reflection of how the wider society has grown since 2013. I think it really is an individual thing. But I mean, as a society, we have made that progress and I think it's, a showing of that, that. but um, there's always more work to be done. And I think you can see that with a um, very prominent current bill that Parliament is facing, which has had a bit of controversy around it. And while we all wait for the outcome of the bill, aiming to ban gay conversion practices in New Zealand, it's truly a wait and see to see how far our society has truly evolved. And that's our first episode of The Deep Dive. Join us next week where we cover the representation of the LGBTQ community in pop culture, film and television and look at the importance of seeing yourself reflected on screen with a special interview with Dr Erin Harrington.
0: If you need support, feel free to reach out to these free organisations who are here to help. Call Outline at 0800-OUTLINE or Lifeline at 0800-LIFELINE. Or reach out for specialised LGBTQ services with Rainbow U at ry.org.nz.